It's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday! Prepare to have your minds annihilated as Patreon proudly presents the Creators Collective Podcast featuring the Breaker of Boards, James Wright, the Melder of the Metal, Zach Herberholtz, and the Leveler of Lumber, William Walker. The first five live listeners will get the free special bonus of having their questions answered on air. Now on with the mayhem! And we're back for another exciting episode of the Creators Collective, and this week, we're going to have a fun time, and particularly because we have a special guest, Paul Jackman, the man with the legs himself. Say hi, Paul. The one and only. <laughs> Paul Jack, dude. Yes. Uh, and if you've not seen his stuff, um, what uh, what hole have you been hiding in? But uh, we'll, we'll get to him in just a second. I do want to say a huge thank you to our patrons on Patreon. Uh, we don't have any new ones this week, uh, which is kind of sad, but oh well. <laughs> I do want to say a huge thank you to our top patrons, uh, particularly Dan, Darren Mates, uh, Caleb Harris from You Can Make This Too, and John from John Made It. Thank you. You guys are making this show possible. Uh, you can also join us live Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Creators Collective YouTube channel. And uh, we try to uh, have a fun time in the live chat so you can have a conversation in the background and ask us questions live. So that's about it uh, for what um, we normally talk about. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with you, uh, Paul. What uh, what you got going on? Or actually, let's well, let's change that up a little bit since uh, um, uh, there there may be one or two people who are listening who don't know who you are. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh I'm Paul Jackman from Jackman Works. I make stuff mostly out of wood. A lot of stuff that came from the trash or from pallets, which is one and the same. Um, try to make kind of odd stuff and, and weird designs and, uh, I don't know, eye-catching stuff. I, I have a bit of a strange obsession with the pallets, especially. And uh, I'm constantly exploring that genre and trying to push that further and further into absurdity. So, so the police haven't come and taken you for making shot glasses out of pallets yet? Not yet. Reddit, the Reddit police. <laughs> I think Paul Jackman leads the most successful Reddit campaign of any YouTuber, yes. which is a very, very hard thing to do. Yeah, I, I started early and often, which helped. Well, I think I think Reddit in particular, like they love hating on stuff. Yeah, and like you combine that, you you mix the perfect amount of like amazing talent with just the right amount of things that people can hate and it goes it does really well on reddit it's, people, it's great for engagement <laughs> it is it's fantastic <laughs> and I people mean, don't, don't realize that like my titles in particular are picked on purpose to drive those sort of people to comment on the video or on the on the reddit post you're and, trolling the trollers and yeah. it's and it's a fantastic thing i think it works <laughs> I just my my last project had a bunch of pallet wood in it, and I posted that a couple of days ago. And uh, there was a couple of people who were like, "Wait, isn't this the guy that tried to kill people with pallet shot glasses?" That's hilarious. Yeah, no, I I, I have so much respect for that. It's funny because it's like a telephone game where like it just keeps getting worse and worse every time. It's like, oh, isn't this the guy that gave kittens cancer with his pallet shot glasses? <laughs> yeah. Yep, it works. It works. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think. As far as um, one of the things that I like most about Paul is like his his stuff is a uh, I don't want to say unconventional, but it's it's uh it's unique, it's creative. There's a lot of you know um, thought 
and, and creativity that goes into the projects. It's not just um, not that there's anything against building, you know, uh, replicating things or, or building, you know, basic stuff. But I really like the kind of the out of the box um, approach that you have. Yeah. I think we, you have we a very have unique that. and uh, very specific to you video style as well. That uh, yeah, the video and, and the humor in the videos is is always fantastic. Yeah, I try to have fun with that. Yeah. Uh, woodworking can get kind of stuffy, so I'm trying to go yeah. to the, like the opposite side of the spectrum <laughs> with that, and and kind of pushing the boundary. And, but it's and like subtle. It's not like it's not obnoxious. It's like if if you blink, you'll miss it. It's a yeah. lot of subtle humor, which which I really enjoy. Yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff. So except for when you talk about dumpsters, hasn't seen your videos though. I mean, I'm sure everybody is familiar with who you are. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, what what you working on? What projects you got going? So I'm kind of in between projects right now. I just wrapped up a uh, a piece for Carolina Shoe. It was uh, a piece of wall art, kind of hard to describe, but it's it's basically just a giant wood cookie about two and a half three feet in diameter, and I it, it's merging between a a pallet wood cookie lamination that mimics the shape of an actual cookie with the live edge and everything. And the, the bottom half is an actual wood cookie and they merge together at the Carolina logo. And there's a couple of uh, bow ties that are in the shape of bootlaces that tie together a, a crack that I made in the, in the wood by, by power carving it to shape. So that one just went up on Monday. I haven't seen the video yet, but I saw the project and I just saw the amount of, I think I saw it on your Instagram, the amount of glue ups involved in that. And uh, yeah, you're you're definitely like the the glue up. Uh, is it a masochist? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, if there's like such a thing. It's you. Yeah. Hashtag you do clamp. glue ups like I do woodworking. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, I I should have counted that. That was at least a half a dozen glue ups. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, was it was it just me or did did the letters actually flow in the grain? So they were the right placement in the grain as well. Yeah, so the the letters were continuous from the bottom That's slab sweet. up to the top. So that was that was tricky to get yeah. the right piece of wood and cut it in the exact right spot so that it was inlaid in the right place. No mess ups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you only get one shot, and that 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 cookie was over three hundred dollars for that piece of wood. Like it's it's hard to find a dry wood cookie. So you it have to like, all split up, especially exactly. So you got to find the right one, and it's not it's not cheap. To what get kind it, of wood so. was that? It was ambrosia maple. Oh, and it was cool. a, it was a burl too. Wow, huh? So it was it was a nice piece. It was like yeah. it was the only one that I could find, at least near DC, that was dry, and uh, that just happened to be what it was. So it's a really nice looking piece of wood. Huh? Yeah, that was that's a neat project. <laughs> what do you want to win? One? He is offering that on his channel. Yeah, yeah, I actually made two. So there's a smaller version. The big one's going to the Carolina factory, and then the smaller version we're giving away. So it's a, a smaller cookie foot and a half in diameter or so but it's got the same uh it mimics the same styling huh so what's what's next on your plate i plans? I, I think next is going to be a a, a jackman sized knife and so that, mean, that means I'm, really big or really yeah. tiny <laughs> really really big and I, i'm i'm gonna leave it at that and leave that as a teaser but if you've been following some other people's social media you'll kind of know the direction that this is going in hmm I have not. I have no. I am totally lost. Hmm. He's a buddy of yours, Zach. So I have. I have so many friends, Paul. <laughs> so many friends that I'll never find out. Does he? Somebody, I'm, I'm sure somebody will figure it out. I got to watch. Assuming, I'm assuming he makes knives. 
Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, does he live in the states? Yep. Ooh, Darista potentially. Hmm. Uh, Bland Bland in the chat uh, says that your beard is on game and on point. Uh, make a bush beard comb out of pallet wood. <laughs> Give your beard some cancer. Yeah, I need it. Yeah, it's funny people. People are trying to figure out what I should make next, and we're talking about like a baby rattle or just something completely. Just for Johnny, stir up the bees. baby rattle for Johnny. Right out of pallet wood. <laughs> a chew toy for cats. <laughs> pallet there you wood go, baby rattle. You go, Don't use oh it. Oh my god, that would be red. That's reddit gold right there. You know, all you need to do is uh, have a little bit of like a lead solder in there somewhere. Yeah, right. uh, a lead and pallet wood uh, cereal bowl. <laughs> yes. Lead inlaid, coated in lacquer that never cures. Yes, yes, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, uh, Make Brooklyn actually had a question for you. Yeah. Um, did you have a, te- a teacher or mentor who helped you build uh, your video editing style, or was it just trial and error? Also, uh, could you stop giving cancer to kittens? It's kind of mean. <laughs> I'll think about it. Uh, well, I mean, I, I had mentors for the woodworking stuff. I started in high school. I went to a vocational high school. So freshman to senior year. Vocational high school? That sounds fun. Vocational <laughs> high school, yeah. So it was four years of of woodworking and carpentry. And uh, the, the way that it worked is it was off and on week. So every other week I had a shop week. The whole week I was in the shop learning whatever we were doing that week. And then the opposite weeks were academic that we had regular classes. Um, so that was a big part in me getting started early on, on the woodworking stuff and had a lot, a lot of great teachers during those four years that really gave me a good kick in the butt developing the skills, like the kind of the backbone of the whole woodworking stuff. I Um, think his question was almost directed at, uh, the, the video editing style and like how that came about. Okay. So specifically for the videos, not really. I mean, my buddy, Pat Lapp. From Le Picbois, the uh, the French Canadian buddy, uh, he's helped me a lot. Just as far as like teaching me the the uh, the programs and stuff, and how to use those, and and kind of teach me a little bit of special effects and and motion tracking, and um, kind of learns teaches me new skills every once in a while when I ask him about it. But he's uh, he's a pro. He used to do that stuff uh, full time, and and he's really good with especially the special effects. And uh, he's, he's got a lot of skills in that. So whenever I think of something I, I could potentially do in a video, I was like, is this possible? He's like, oh, yeah, you just got to do this. <laughs> so he's been a huge help for me. And and the style has just been something that evolved. I, I started making videos like Jimmy's, like Jimmy DiResta. And it was just fast edits, no music or anything. And over the three, three and a half years that I've been doing it, it's, it's just evolved into what it is today. Just slowly, each video is kind of, added something new to it i think that's fairly common because i mean i feel like like a lot of the people myself included start out doing one thing they're like okay this is like this is the home base like this is the you know how i'm going to do my videos and a lot of it's just the fast sped up thing and then eventually you kind of find your own niche and your own style so yeah i think a lot of people a lot of people ask that like how do you find your style it's just something that happens naturally as, as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah you start, you know, the more, uh, you know, when you get into it, you don't realize how much time editing takes. And then, and then once you start developing your own style, you're like, I can't believe how much more time editing takes. And it's, yeah. I mean, it just gets 
progressively deeper. Like yeah. the more videos you put out, the more time you spend editing those videos because you just, you know, you learn, learn things that, you know, I look back at my videos from like even three months ago. And I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't do any white balancing at all. And you know, <laughs> right. these things that you don't even at first, and, and that's fine. I think it would be totally overwhelming if you set out to, you know, to, to, do something. I think it's possible to get too ambitious off off the, out of the gates, and starting with something that's simple like that is is a good way to get the moment to kind of get the ball rolling. Essentially, yeah, yeah. And you never know what your style is until you actually get into it. Yeah, and especially since most people are starting at zero, like they yeah. have never edited a video in their life. Like just learning the software alone is 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 hard enough. So if you kind of have a baseline to work from. And then once you learn your software, then you find out that you want a different piece of software and you have to learn that one. <laughs> <Yep>. Right, exactly. <laughs> yep. Cool. Uh, well, Zach, what you got going on? Um, so I recently just finished up, if you can see it here on this camera. Oh, cute. That is a little pocket cleaver that's like almost as big as your palm. Anyway, <laughs> I made five of these. And um, actually, I, this is the only one that I have finished. I have to, to sharpen the edge on the other four. And uh, two of them I'm giving away as gifts. One I'm keeping for myself. And I think if all goes well, I'm going to do a, something kind of that I've never seen before. I'm going to auction it on my Instagram, but it's going to be a buy one, give one free. Uh, so essentially, whoever wins the auction, I'm going to send them one of these. And then I'm going to send the other one to their favorite uh, their favorite social media person, you know, on Instagram or something. So cool they'll, they'll put their bid in and tag who they want me to send the other one to and whoever wins it, that's how it's going to work. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, these things are awesome. I just kind of want to make like a little handy, uh, you know, shop knife. It's uh, like a box opener and whatever else you need it for. So I like the curve are, in that too. What's that? I like the curve in it. Yeah, I can't, I, uh, you know, so these I've made now, I think I've made six knives and, uh, I don't know how anybody makes a living doing them because they, they are so much work. I mean, it's not the blade that takes the time. I mean, you can cut that out, do your heat treat and stuff. It's when you get to, um, you know, ha doing the handles and hand sanding stuff. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but so that's what I've been working on, uh, waiting for the, the stuff to get in for that. Also, um, I just got some stabilizing equipment in so that I can start doing some uh, stabilizing some some wood and casting with epoxy to do some cool like knife scales and some other stuff for a project I have coming up. And tomorrow I'm heading out to uh, Newark, New Jersey to <clears throat> spend two days uh, forging hammers with uh, Cliff Dufton, who's CJ Dufton on Instagram and uh, uh, John Arian, uh, Sunset Forge NJ on Instagram. They're both amazing smiths uh make they're they love making hammers and and that's something that i kind of want to get better at so i'm going up there for a few days and we're going to make some hammers so yeah that's that's kind of what's going what's been going on with me and anybody who's in that area i think uh well i was talking to uh kj sawdust uh and uh we're, we're gonna have like a hangout up, up there tomorrow which is friday night we're gonna go grab some food and drink somewhere so anybody who's in that area let me know and uh we'll we'll meet up so sweetness yeah i think that's everything what about you <laughs> well i've actually been working on the table again and I'm, it's my goal to get the dining room table done by uh, the end of july and so i just put out a video on saturday uh, doing the 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 final touches on the, the top 
before actually doing the actual final touches, <laughs> uh, filling all the bug holes, filling the the last bit of the gap, and uh, using up like another gallon's worth of epoxy, and then flipping the table over, which doesn't sound like much, uh, but it's a 400 pound, 11 foot Jeez. long, five foot wide tabletop that needs to be flipped. How is that thing going to leave your basement? The same way it came in. Just carry it. it 11 feet long? Yeah. Huh. Now it, uh, I, I can get up to 13 feet in my basement down the stairs and around the corner. That's impressive. So are you gonna have, when you take it out, are you going to have to take it up in pieces or will it come up and... Well, the the top will come up by itself, and then the base, um, the entire base is not going to be glued together. It's all going to be held together with gravity, um, so oh. every piece can come apart and be carried separately. Nice. Is it a walkout basement, or you got to bring that thing up the stairs? Up the stairs. So about awesome. four guys in five minutes, and it should go fairly easily. Yeah, but, uh, hmm. be, bodies uh, in there. There's a quote <laughs> for somebody. <laughs> four guys in five minutes. Put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> We, I wish somebody with way more time and less of a life than myself could go back and, <laughs> and cut out every Jamesism and just make, <laughs> just make a compilation. So, uh, yeah, the thing I've got going on the shop right now is I'm actually starting work on the base. Uh, so this week I took a day and a half to rip down the boards. I have three slabs of elm that are 16 inches wide. And I needed to rip them all down into all the pieces for the, the base. And that was 160 feet of ripping through two-inch thick elm Mm-mm. with a handsaw. How long did that take? A day and a half. <laughs> wow. About halfway through, I was thinking, I should just grab my circular saw. Then I went to grab my circular saw and remembered, oh, wait, I burnt out the motor last time I used it. Wow. So I'm going to have to burn out this motor. <laughs> Oh, that's but that's crazy. done, so I'm happy. Yeah, all you got to do is make enough cuts to to get it on camera, and then do the rest off camera on, on the circular yeah. side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be the nice way to do it. But... That's crazy. Well, you say we get into a few questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bland Bland um, offered up a question. Uh, uh, James is a hand tool enthusiast. Would it be wise? Would it be wisest decision to still purchase a bandsaw table saw? And at Paul, do you pre-plan your projects or just kind of go with your mental flow? Um, just as a quick answer, if you want a table saw bandsaw, go ahead and get it. Um, people Unless you want to spend a day and a half ripping a piece of lumber. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, people don't become hand tool woodworkers because they want to build things. They become hand tool woodworkers because they want to work with hand tools. Uh, and if that is not your thing, then, then get some power tools. Hybrid woodworking is a good way to go. What about uh, you, Paul? What do you uh, what do you plan your project? Uh, do you plan your projects or just kind of go with the seat of your pants? I I'd say the majority of them are are completely planned out with plans and SketchUp and everything. And I like to to visualize things. Like I after high school, I went to to college for civil engineering. So my my brain thinks a lot in that in the way of engineering and where I like to like very strictly kind of have everything dialed in before I go into the shop. So I have the SketchUp plans made completely with dimensions and, and all that uh, before I go in the shop for most things. Um, other things kind of develop as they go and they have like a general idea before I go in the shop. But I don't know, anything that can have dimensions usually has them before I, I step foot. Into I'm, the I'm the same exact way, but I wonder if you're the same as me or you'll have something completely planned out 
and you know SketchUp or whatever, you can rotate it. And you're like, okay, if it's, the dimensions are good, everything looks right, it's propor- it's proportioned well, and you're ready for business. And then you get out there halfway through the project, and you're like, oh my god, I just had an amazing idea that's going to make this even cooler. I mean, I feel like that happens to me every project. It's like I try and get it as good as possible in the program, but then once I get out there, usually I'll get some new ideas and new inspiration and stuff that somehow gets incorporated. You know, the, the dimensions still the, usually stay the same, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, some of the details tend to, to change in the process. You know, yeah, I feel like, that's definitely it. I feel like a lot that's of the creative. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the 3d software is, that's what it's most useful for is planning out the dimensions and the size and the form. But a lot mm-hmm. of the details for me change as I'm out there working. I feel like that's where I do my best like creative thinking is when I'm hands on. So Yeah. I think a lot of times for me that happens in SketchUp. Like I'll I'll draw something and then I'm like, oh wait a second. And I like completely mm-hmm. blow that up and redraw it. Um, but still in the shop I will have those ideas where I'm like, Oh, I forgot I had this material. Like I'm yeah. gonna incorporate that. And yeah. Completely changes the plans then. Yeah. But it always makes for a cooler piece anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. What? Let's see. What's the next question list? Um, oh, we have very few questions for you, Paul. Apparently, people are too intimidated by you. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys clean on a regular basis, or do you clean and organize after each project? Anyone, Anyone wants to take this one? <laughs> I can go, I suppose. Um, so, historically, or, or, or traditionally, my shop has been chaotic, and I find here's what's crazy is like I have so many tools in my tiny shop. It's unbelievable to me. And right now I have the most tools I've ever had in my shop, you know, tons of equipment. I can't believe it's in there. And my shop has the most room and it's the cleanest it's ever been. So it's strange, but I feel like I've had, I have to keep it clean now, which didn't used to be the case. I mean, if I look back at my videos from two years ago, when I had like five tools in my shop, it was a disaster. I could hardly walk in there. And now I have, you know, industrial grinding machines, hydro 25 ton forging press, table saws, band saws, horizontal band saws. I I pretty much have everything I could ever want. And it's insane how much room I have in my shop. And it's just forced me to organize better and keep it clean. So now it's to the point to where I can't afford to not be organized. I need that space. And, um, so it's actually been a good thing and, and yeah, it's, it's really forced me to, uh, you know, take, spend more time cleaning up at the end of the day. And, uh, it's just a much more, and my, my shop experience is so much better when I know where things are. And I find when it's cluttered, I'll set something down and I'm like, I've only taken five steps and I've been looking for this thing for 30 minutes, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's, um, Definitely, uh, there's it's adv- advantageous to to keep things tidy and and have a place for for your stuff. I find. Yeah, I'm I'm still convinced that you have like the Narnia wardrobe in your shop or something. <laughs> it's like every time you get another one of those big tools, I ask you how are you going to fit that in there. You're like, oh, I'll, I'll fit it, and it fits somehow. <laughs> every I single mean, it's, time. It, it's true. Like I feel like somehow my shop grows every time I put a, a tool in there. I just I find a way for it to work. So yeah, it's like a old. I mean, it's. I, I don't know if it's like a one and a half car garage or what. I mean, you could you could probably fit a car and a motorcycle in there. And I have so much equipment in there; it's crazy. And now I have room to walk around. It's I don't get it. Yeah. What, what's the square footage on the space? 
I don't know. It's like 20. I think it's like 19 by 18 or something like that. Okay. I don't feel like doing the math right now, but less than 400, cool. 370. What about you, Paul? What's your size? Mine's uh, 330 <laughs> square feet. So right. it's a little, it's a little bit smaller. <laughs> Do you but, clean regularly or just after projects? Yeah. I mean, I have to just cause it's such a small space. Um, I, I clean and basically at the end of every day I do kind of just a general cleanup, put the tools away. And then after every project to do like a full cleanup, sweep the floors, like everything goes in its place. And uh, that's just so you can start the next project fresh and you're not tripping over anything and you know where all your tools are. I, you know, I find that um, just a little bit at the end of each day, like just putting things back is yeah. makes it makes a huge difference. Cause like going out to a dirt, it's a lot nicer just to walk out into a clean shop. It's just like sets the mood versus, you know, leaving all your crap out and trying to clean it the next morning. Cause usually you're, if you're like me, you're, you know, anxious to get started. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's so much more motivating when you just have to clear workbench space everywhere. And it's just a yeah. fresh palette at the beginning of every day, pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a question for you. Uh, Tony Huffington from uh, he's the uh, the Luthier that uh, yeah, everyone sees. Yeah, I know him. Um, actually, we'll probably have him on the the podcast here soon. Um, hey, Paul, how much do you how much do you how much do you set up your shop knowing you'll probably move in the upcoming future with your wife being in the military and all? Do you keep stuff in boxes? So yeah, so my wife is in the in the Coast Guard, and we move every. Uh, three years theoretically um the <laughs> the last shop we were there for one year and then we moved to dc uh so it's it's ever ever changing and uh i've as as the shops have changed this is my third shop now in the past three years and i kind of get smarter as the new shops come along and a lot of the shop furniture that i've built is made to be uh, modular and and mobile as well. So like my miter saw station is this big 12 foot long bank of cabinets, but it's in three foot sections and they're all on wheels. So that's something new from the DC shop that, that I've built. So the next move, all I have to do is unscrew them from each other and they'll wheel into the moving truck on, the, on their own. And then I just wheel them into the new shop and kind of configure them however they fit in the new space. I think um, you should just buy an old school bus and outfit it. Yes. I've I've thought about it. <laughs> I think that'd be super cool. I mean, how neat would that be? Like events and stuff. You just yeah. I mean, yeah. me and my wife have talked about like tiny homes. <clears throat> like instead of moving all of the stuff in our house, we would just move our house every time, and then we tiny just have shop. To... That's what you should do. You should not do a tiny home because you'll get you know you move to your home. Have a tiny shop that's like a shop on a trailer. Or we just get cool like two two trailers. <laughs> so every time we move, we just get two giant trucks to pull our house and pull my shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you know? Do you have any plans for like where you're going to be moving next? It seems it's like always... seems like uh, you, you've you've caught the affinity for the Northwest, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's it's always up in the air, and it's not always up to us either. But we <laughs> this past summer, well, a couple months ago. Um, we went and visited the the Northwest, so we went out to Maker Fair in San Francisco. But we flew to Seattle and drove down to San Francisco. Just took a week, just road tripping down, and I'd never been out there. And it's it's an amazing spot. I, I told you, man. Like I, I told you, you have to do the one hundred and one. You did right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Most of the way, we just drove right along the water. Yeah, yeah. And it's all, all the way such down. A cool to, I don't remember where we stopped, but uh, it's, where, it's, uh, do you have any favorite spots? Oh man. Um, 
<laughs> all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember this point because it all blends together because it's all just like amazing <laughs> geography. And um, I mean, one, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, one of the spots that we stopped, I think it was in Oregon. I'm looking at the map now. Um, I forget the name of it. I <laughs> I was calling it the, the devil's butthole. And, oh, uh, yeah. The uh, um, I forget what uh, the actual name of it is. It was the devil's the, something. The, yeah, the um, I know what you're talking about, and I. I mean, basically, it's uh, it's like a volcanic rock formation right on the ocean, uh, and devil's, there's like a devil's punch bowl. Yeah, that's it. Devil's punch bowl. That's a more appropriate name, I guess. <laughs> and uh, it's it's this uh, rock formation where there's like a couple of like inlets into the volcanic rock where it's eroded away, and the tide just like splashes against these rocks and just hammers them. And you get like this thunderous clap every time and it just like spits up in these kind of geyser sort of things. And there's like one spot where there's a hole through the rock and it's like carved underneath. So basically when when the waves come in, it like carves underneath this rock and shoots through this hole. And it's just like this awesome formation. It's hard to describe unless unless you see it in person. Yeah, that's uh, right between like Depot Bay and Lincoln City, which is when when my wife and I lived in Portland, we'd vacation there like yeah. every year. Um, yeah, so well, we're moving to at least we're looking heavily. We're talking to an agent and stuff about uh, Bellingham, Washington. So hopefully by this time next year we'll be up there. Which Will tells me is where Grizzly is headquartered. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'll so. actually be in uh, Portland next month. Oh man. Anytime, anytime, like my friends go to the Northwest or Portland, I just, I get like envy. <laughs> Bell- Bellingham is up there though, isn't it? Pretty it's, far north. Yeah, about I think an hour and a half north of Seattle-ish. It's pretty close to Canada. It's wow. literally, I think, the furthest contiguous city from where I live. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so you just want to get out of Florida that day. I, I do. It's like I, I was looking the other day. It was like fifty-eight degrees. I'm like, oh my god, that sounds because it's it's like ninety-four plus the humid. The heat index is hundred and seven probably here. And I'm going to Newark, and like they've been experiencing like a record-breaking heat wave this week. I'm like, it's so it's actually the other day. It's it's been hotter up there than it is down here, which is kind of a bummer. I was hoping to hoping to escape for a few days. Yeah, we've been hitting 100 here the past couple of days. Ugh. It was crazy. Yeah. So, are there any uh, are there any bases or anything over on the up there? There, there's a ton along the west coast. Yeah. And when when we were driving through, we we just accidentally drove by like three or four of them. Huh. So I'm sure there's plenty more out there. So we're we're kind of hoping maybe next time we can kind of push our way out to the northwest. But there's also a lot of coast guard bases on the Gulf Coast. So we yeah, <laughs> we don't do we it, get the, the short end of the stick there. Like I, that's that's the last place I want to go. I basically told my wife we can't go south of of DC. Like that's kind of my yeah. limit. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a big dude. I don't take heat too well. So <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, let's see. Well, we got another question. Um, I need to come up with the quickest, most effective way to flatten a thick, dry hickory slab. Anyone have suggestions? <laughs> so it depends on how long it is, I guess. Yeah. Let's make the assumption of an eight foot by two foot slab. Yeah, because that's trickier. Because I I just flattened that cookie, but that was like four feet by three feet, so it fit on my workbench, and I just made a flattening jig on the workbench. Uh, but that's tougher if you kind of if it doesn't fit and you gotta slide it around because then you kind of lose that reference surface. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, I don't think I would do it with a hand plane. You sure about that? Really? I think that's exactly what you would do. Well, I just flattened the uh, the big table that's uh, five foot by eleven foot, um, and I made a router jig for that because uh, you can you can make up a router jig uh, really quickly, and even if it's something longer than that, you can put extensions onto the table that the jig is actually built on, which is what I did because I kind of built it on my bench. Um, my bench is eight foot by two foot. So there's uh, you know a foot and a half sticking off either end, uh, either side, and several feet off of either end. Uh, huh. So I actually built outriggers that made the bench bigger to fit it on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it was quicker I, to do that than it was to flatten it by hand. Yeah, I was gonna say I think that's probably the quickest way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as long as as long as your reference surface is flat, it doesn't really matter what it is. Yeah, even build it on the floor. Yeah, yeah, do it in the driveway. Yeah, either that or buy a bigger planer. <laughs> Hey, honey, I need to buy a 36-inch planer. I think that's, that's a good excuse, don't you think? I, I take that. <laughs> I don't know how that'd go over. If, if I had the space and the power for it, I might do that. <laughs> so, you, need, you need your tiny shop, man. You're right. With the, the 36-inch planer, that'll take up half the floor space or something? <laughs> Put it on the roof, a flip top. <laughs> I'll, I'll need like the in-feed and out-feed so the table saw and the planer <laughs> and the joints are all lined up. So I basically just send a board in one end of the trailer and it pops out yeah. the other side of finished the product. The front door and the back door? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I push a board in the table saw and it just automatically feeds in and it pops out of table. You have like a, a swiveling dead man on the front and the back. I'll go. Right. And, yeah, <laughs> that'd be sweet. I need to get like one of those double decker buses or something. <laughs> that's that's not a bad idea. Double ton, level shop. There's a ton of those here in the states. Yeah, there's not. <laughs> that might be harder. <laughs> uh, Okay, we got another question. Um, I'm thinking of making a knife from an old file. Do I need to do any heat treating on it after file after final sharpening? I would say yes. Uh, well, you're going to need to do. Here's how I would go about it. Well, there's. I guess there's a couple ways. It depends on what you're going to do. If you're going to do any forging, you're going to want to anneal it first. Um, so you're going to want to heat it up and like stick it in like a thing of sand or vermiculite or something let it cool very very slowly over a few hours that'll soften it up because um yeah it's just hard to it's hard to work with it when it's in its hardened state and uh that's how i would do it plus it'll kind of relieve some of the stress and stuff um if you just want to do stock removal you could grind the way it is but you'd want to um be careful with the heat and not get it too hot because you'll ruin the temper but uh, you know it's with a file, it's hard to say because I don't know what the tempering is on those. I would imagine they're pretty brittle. I mean, every file I've ever seen is <laughs> pretty brittle, so you might want to temper it. Um, it's it, it really depends on, I'd say it really depends on what you're trying to do with it. If you're just going stock removal, I'm trying to think what I would do. I would probably anneal it just to save yourself a lot of time grinding. Yeah. And uh, it'd be a lot easier on your abrasives and it would just go way better. Um, I'd do that. I'd get it to shape, and then I would. You, if you do that, if you anneal it, you're going to have to reheat treat it. So get it up to critical, quench it, and then temper it for you know a couple cycles at a couple of two hour cycles at like 400 degrees. I'd say that's kind of like your average, um, you know, shotgun approach to dealing with unknown metals. Uh, and I'm not an expert on this, so I mean, if you if you know somebody who's made more than six knives, I suggest that you talk to them instead. <laughs> that's, that's how that's how I would go about it. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, we've got the creator's photo challenge. We're not going to be working out this week, but just to remind everyone, we will be doing it next week. We'll be picking the winner. 
and that is for contrast. So to enter the creator's photo challenge, you just have to submit a picture on Instagram and hashtag creators photo challenge. And uh, we're looking for a photo in your shop, something would do with uh, you know what you're making that has a good contrast in it. Uh, we will be picking a winner. And I think this next week it is Zach's turn to uh, pick a prize for someone so he can win something oh. out of Zach's shop. Yes. It'll be exciting to see what he picks. Uh, so yeah, get those in before next week, uh, next uh, Thursday. Speaking of contrast, those orange buckets from Home Depot are the worst thing you can ever have in your <laughs> shop when you're shooting. I've, I've realized this is one of those things since I started like going into the, you know, caring more about my edits and like color grading and white balance and all of that. And the Home Depot buckets, if it's in the background of anything, it's going to wreck whatever you're shooting, any picture, any video, they're terrible. Like it's like, it can be, you can have the smallest aperture and it can be the most out of focus thing on the shop. And in that picture, your eyes are going to go right to the bucket. It's just so, yeah. yeah. Same as like the, like the yellow DeWalt tools. There's, yeah. I, they're, they're terrible. And it's, people it's, ask me why I have BLO on all and Oak on all of my stuff, because it's, it's all one color format that and my, my blue tools. So it actually goes well. Yeah, it's just any any like no power light, vibrant colors. They're just ugh. yeah, and everybody knows what that bucket is too. Yeah, you don't need you don't need to see the label. Like as soon as yep. you see the orange bucket, it's you great. Know it on the, I mean, they, they did a great part on that, but I don't think it was an intentional move. But yeah, I I got lucky. I got a bunch of like maroon colored buckets. Uh, it's it's what the the diesel oil for the Coast Guard boats is stored in. Nice. So my my wife snagged a bunch of those from the trash. So I have. I don't know, a dozen of them in the shop just holding random stuff. And yeah, they don't, like, they don't stick out quite as much. <laughs> every time I try and like I set up for a picture for my Instagram or something in my shop and like I get my camera dialed in, I'm like, dang it. Like <laughs> just like just in this the smallest little corner of it'll be like in the corner of the, the picture and I have to like go move it. <laughs> Throw a blanket over it. Yeah. I just need to get rid of them well we have a uh, joke for the week uh comes from uh, tony oldman i think i think we should let paul read it because you know do you see it paul because paul's just seems like he'd be good at reading bad jokes yeah, this is this one would fit you too <laughs> it's a good one for you <laughs> i like it so the joke is i put my whole dust collection system up on craigslist the other day all it was doing was sitting in the shop and collecting dust <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these jokes are so great they don't stop uh, either that's what blows my mind is that we've been doing this for what how long have we been is this like this is the 86th uh yeah 86th episode so wow 86. so we're coming up on two years yeah, it's gonna be fun that's crazy and we still have terrible jokes every week so if you have a horrible joke that uh, has something to do with making, uh, feel free to send it to us, and we will uh, we will cringe and eventually uh, <laughs> cause some harm to someone somewhere who tries to gouge out their ears next time they listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, Paul and I should make our announcement. Yeah, is, is this public? <laughs> I think so. Why not? We're getting we're getting uh, married. We're, we're moving out to Washington and getting married. <laughs> In the devil's butthole. <laughs> In the devil's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul and I are going to be speaking at WorkbenchCon 2019. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be out there for that one. You're going to make it? I think so. Nice. Uh, it's, it's February, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, uh, you know, I've gone to a lot of like 
excuses for makers to meet up. And I feel like that's what most of them are. It's like, man, let's do this this year. And everybody kind of gets together for that. But the, uh, the workbench con thing was hands down the best one I've been to. There's just so many people there and, uh, it's just a great experience. So anybody who's on the fence about workbench con, I would, I would, uh, nudge you to try and make it happen. Yeah. Where are they going to be this year? Atlanta. I think it's the same place. Same place. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I can't believe, I can't believe how big and successful it was for seemed like relatively short notice for the last one. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, there's there's kind of talks about it, but you didn't really hear any, any like concrete, uh, plans, you know, about it until just a couple of months before it happens. So I think this, this next one, this next year is going to be really, really big. Yeah. Cause that was, that was the first year this year. And I felt like they didn't do a very good job describing what it actually was. So we were all kind of going into it, not completely knowing what was going on there. But and, it was still uh, a lot of people there. It was a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And, and they're talking about it being even bigger next oh, year. Without a doubt. I, I bet it's going to be at least three times bigger this year. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was talking with the organizer, and she said they're they're probably going to have to get a different space because that the space for this year wouldn't be big enough. It was pretty packed. I mean, they were they were at like ninety percent capacity, I think, last time. Yeah. So I can I can only imagine you know next year, especially with us speaking packed house. <laughs> we're gonna get up on stage, and our beards are gonna merge together, and it's just it's gonna be magic. <laughs> <laughs> I like shaved mine too far on accident the other day. Like I usually like have a little bit more under my chin and I just, yeah. I just didn't pay attention uh, and I shaved it off and I'm like, what did I do? What did I do to my face? I was wondering why you look like such a baby today. I know my head shrunk. I feel like yeah. I lost like, it's weird. That's why I mashed my head. The dimensions are off. It's, it's yeah, it's strange. It was a mistake. Your, your workflow is going to be off for the next couple of weeks. It so. is. I'm just going to have to not record until a little bit goes back a little bit. Yeah. So. You guys, you guys ever accidentally shaved and regretted it? You're like, yeah. oh my god, what happened? I look like I'm. I can't I'm, even buy. I can't even buy beer anymore. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just gonna take off a little more. Oh, a little bit more. Oh, oh, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Well, let's uh, let's talk about what's been inspiring us. Uh, Paul is the guest. Uh, what are you inspired by? What are you watching, reading? So I'm gonna recommend a podcast. Appropriately enough, it's not a maker podcast though. It's called the good one podcast and it's it's a, a comedy podcast but it's not um it's not like a typical comedy podcast it's basically this the host uh brings on a different comedian every week and they dissect a, a specific joke that the the comedian has has written like uh bo burnham was on this past week i'm a huge fan of him we're we're the same age and we grew up in the same area and um he he just like dives deep into one of these jokes and and they kind of dissect how that the joke was crafted. So I, I think of it a lot similar to what we do, um, where we kind of physically craft stuff and, and take at it from different angles to come to a, a final piece. And and they kind of mentally craft things to come to that final joke. So it's it's very interesting to hear uh, the mindset coming from from somebody who does a similar thing, but in like a very, very different, different medium. genre. Yeah. Huh. And, and it's, it's a different comedian every week. So it's really interesting and, and different every week. And that's just something I came upon uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, that's Definitely get to look that up. <clears throat> cool. Well, I'm going to have to uh, go with someone that we probably all know, uh, Alex Steele. Uh, he just hit 1 million subscribers on YouTube, which is a huge, huge milestone. Uh, but to celebrate it, he made a gold knife, a gold kitchen knife. 
out of forging solid gold. Um, and it's just one of these these eye opening things of holy cow, an absolutely worthless knife, but uh, wow. Um, and so he got to experiment with actually, you know, forging gold. Was it feel much like money? Did, does he did he say how much money the? Yeah, it was something was like three thousand dollars for the, the the steel for the gold. <laughs> God. You know, saving all the shavings as you're you know, you're, you're grinding the gold down. <laughs> That's crazy. It was, huh. it was just a really awesome. really cool video, and uh, yeah, it's, it's one you got to watch. I'm looking forward to. He'll be finishing it soon, putting a handle on it, and uh, it should be a. So build. yeah, he's like the Steve Irwin of blacksmithing. Like I feel like he's he's like <laughs> the he's the crocodile hunter of forging. Yeah. Um, and. Which segues into my choice, which I've probably used before, but I'm going to use it again. Uh, uh, Pete Braspeninks from Fireforge, P H Y R E. He is the MC Usher of blacksmithing. Um, it's you know I feel like most most of our our listeners are probably woodworkers, and but just check out his Instagram and look at his pieces, and just spend a minute thinking how they were made it will blow your mind i mean they're puzzles you, you look at them and you just you don't understand how they were made it's crazy and he's a super i i met him at indianapolis and he's just a great guy super talented there's nobody in i don't think anybody in the history of civilization has ever done the things with metal that he's doing with them so definitely check him out and also, I've been kind of delving into some more architectural stuff just to get some style cues and uh, came across an, an old uh, architect, uh, Victor Horta, who is kind of a Art Nouveau architect, and he's just amazing. Um, he's one of those people that didn't, didn't, he didn't just like design. He's like, okay, here's the exterior of a building. He's one of those people that's like, no, this is how everything, this is how... <laughs> every single piece of this entire building needs to be like this. And uh, it's just everything he built just like breathes. I don't know how to explain it. So yeah, I have like two this week, I guess. Uh, then why don't you tell us what's your favorite uh, tool week? Um, I think I probably use this, but I'm going to say my even heat kiln because that's uh, what I've been using the past couple weeks. Um, oh, where'd my window go? I don't really have a link for that. They're all like kind of custom ordered. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so nice when you're forging stuff to be able to just dial in the temperature and the time that you want it to cycle for and know that everything is going to be exactly the way you want it to be. It really takes like the, the chance and the guesswork out of heat treating and tampering and all of that. Sweet. what you got, Paul? So I'm going to recommend the, uh, glue spreader bottle from Rockler. I do a lot of glue laminations and, and big glue laminations so getting the glue down quickly is the key before because it's you got to clamp it up before it starts to to set um so this glue spreader bottle is basically an attachment on a a a bottle that that uh uh, spreads the glue out to like a a three inch strip basically a three inch wide strip and uh whenever you're doing like laminations for like a butcher block or anything like that it speeds up the process so much uh, because you don't have to squirt it on the wood and then spread it out. It does it all in one step. Are you talking about the roller one? The roller. Yeah. 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 Pretty amazing. I was skeptical. They sent me one and, and I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. I used it on that stool video that I did and, uh, it works. Yeah. It is a bit tricky peeling the dried glue off of those, but it's worth it. 
So what I realized recently, after I do the glue up, I take the thing to the sink and oh. wash it off. Yeah, and that that's a lot easier than than waiting until afterwards. Yeah. Oh, but the peel off is so much fun. It is on every <laughs> other silicone tool, but the roller, right. like the grooves, are small enough to where it doesn't like. It's like I would say it's it feels more like trying to get a solid sheet of saran wrap on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's, like it's you can try to peel enough, it and it just doesn't go. Roller, so it actually is collaborative. Collaborative. Co- cohesive. No, co- it's co- co- coagulative. Coagulated. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like the <laughs> sink. I think I think I think the sink is the way to go though. I think you're on to something yeah, there. Right. Yeah, yeah even on. even if it's dried on there, the sink can still help to to release it from the, the silicone. Huh. As I found in my glue of, test, even uh um type bond three will dissolve in water. Yeah. Hmm. After it's it's completely dry and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So after I'm curious, so after all of your glue test, what what's in James's James's is a shop. What do you what are your go tos? Uh type bond two and epoxy are my, my two main ones. Although yeah. I'm using I'm using so CA really, far more than I did before. Nothing really changed. Other than well, just the vast amount of knowledge. 